Hello, my fellow weirdos. I'm Dom, and this is Horror House. So uh, welcome to episode two of Horror House. Before we get started on episode two, I just wanted to give a little love and say thank you so much to everyone who listened to my first episode, who downloaded the first episode, who's given me some really, really nice comments about it. The first episode is always, always a tricky one. And I know that there are things I can improve on as is, you know, I I get more episodes done and I get, you know, more comfortable with, you know, with this whole new adventure that I'm doing. But I'm glad that people seem to enjoy episode one. One of my biggest fears was, will will people enjoy the first episode? And it seems that on the whole, people did, which, you know, makes me extremely happy. So thank you for that. And on that note, Why don't we get the ball rolling on episode two, shall we? So let's set the scene. Mexico in the late 90s. Old ladies were being brutally murdered and the victims were all over 60 and lived alone. People feared that a serial killer could be roaming the streets. However, the media were blamed for sensationalism and scaring the public unnecessarily. The political powers that be refused to acknowledge that a serial killer was hunting little old ladies. You know, they completely disregarded that theory. They stated there was no connection. They stated that the killings were all entirely random. But all the victims lived alone near parks and gardens while all being enrolled on a public program so it's not quite the random rampage that the powers that be wanted to believe it was so an ever-increasing amount of old women were being killed and in 2006 17 more murders occurred and this is a rather astonishing number in in the time frame as well those 17 more murders in 2006 brought the number of unsolved murders in the span of seven years up to 49. 49 in seven years. Someone is someone was extremely busy. 49 in seven years? That that's a consistent level of of murder. The police kept on refusing to acknowledge that these were all the work of a serial killer, but behind closed doors they knew what the reality was. I guess they weren't saying that it was a serial killer, but, you know, really they were like, yeah, it's a serial killer, but we don't want to panic people. We don't want to, you know, set alarm bells. You know, we don't want to say that this is all connected and and it's all one person, you know, so we're not going to admit that. But obviously the reality was that someone was killing defenseless grandmothers in cold blood. So years later, the police admitted that there was, in fact, a serial killer. Top fucking notch police work. 
they theorized that the killer was able to earn the trust of their victims before being allowed in. The police also theorized that it was two men that were responsible. However, witnesses state seeing a muscular woman in a nurse's uniform near the various crime scenes. So the police, with that information, assumed that it was either a man in a dress and a wig or a transgender person. So they they completely ignored the theory that it could be a woman. They just they just didn't acknowledge that at all. What they did is they they came they came out with a public profile of the killer. And in this public profile, the killer was a male. The killer was organized, was middle aged, was likely abused as a child and a psychopath. Female serial killers were so rare that the police only focused on males. So that had consequences. And as as we will see, it was a costly mistake to make. So let's let's talk about Juana Barraza, shall we? Just going to pre-warn you guys. Some of the pronunciations are going to be shambolic. I'm 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 going to admit that now. Some of the pronunciations are going to be just terrible. I'm I'm going to try my best, but they they're not going to be amazing. I I want to put out a little trigger warning as well. In this little section there is references to abuse, there's references to rape, um there's references to abortion as well. So that's just a little a little trigger warning for anybody you know, just so you're aware of of some of the things that I'm going to talk about in a minute. So, Juana Barraza was born on the 27th of December, 1957, in Hidalgo, Mexico. Juana's mother, Justa Samperio, left Juana's father when she was three months old. Justa was an alcoholic who abused Juana. Allegedly, when Juana was 12, her mother pimped her to a random man named Jose Lugo for three beers. Yes, she pimped her child to a random guy for three beers, which is um, which is mind-blowing. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I'm going to... That's not ideal parenting, is it? You don't you don't sell you don't pick your kid for three beers. Doesn't matter how good the beer is. Juana was reportedly raped on numerous occasions and eventually this would lead to an abortion and eventually she would give birth to a son. This was all while she was a child herself. As she entered adulthood, Juana worked various odd jobs before entering the world of professional wrestling, which is, which is like, I mean, that's such like a, an offshoot, really, like, it, it caught me so off guard when I was, when I was reading up about Juana, you know, just, oh, she randomly worked as a professional wrestler, okay, okay, you know, makes sense. As, as a professional wrestler, Juana would don her pink lycra and enter the ring as La Dama del Silencio, which translates to the Lady of Silence. 
Juana had always loved Lucha Libre. She always had a passion for Lucha Libre. Um, and by all accounts, she very much enjoyed her job as a luchador. However, despite her best efforts, she struggled to make ends meet. So in 1995, Juana started to shoplift. And this would eventually turn into burglary, and then she would graduate from burglary to murder. Juana and her friend, oh God, <laughs> and her friend Araceli Tapia Martinez, I'm trying, um, developed a plan to gain access to homes of the elderly and rob them. However, Martinez hit Juana with the backstab out of nowhere and double-crossed her. What a... Oh, oh Martinez. Oh. Um, Martinez was in a relationship with a corrupt federal police officer and they both extorted Barraza in exchange for avoiding arrest. In... 2000, Juana had to retire from the wrestling ring due to uh, back issues. At this point, she was earning up to 500 pesos per fight. Post-retirement, however, her final situation, her financial situation, was pretty goddamn dire. It, it, it didn't turn out great. So that was a that was one of the reasons why she went down the path that she did. So I tried to find as much as I could about the various murders and the various victims. However, I could only find information about a few. So I do apologize. It was quite difficult to find a lot of stuff for, you know, for this episode. I found as much as I could. But yeah. Let's talk about the victims that I could find information about. So Juana's first reported victim was Maria de la Luz Gonzalez Anaya. I'm going to stick with Anaya. Um, Juana was able to gain access to the home, after which Gonzalez would start making derogatory comments towards Juana, which did not go well at all. This got Juana pissed and she beat Gonzalez before fatally strangling her with her bare hands. Ana Maria de los Reyes, uh, was a, who was a female in her 80s, was Juana's final victim before she got arrested. Juana strangled Ana Maria with a stethoscope she found on a nearby table. However, unlike other victims, Anna Maria didn't live alone as there was an apartment at the back of the the house that she was renting. So in a in a huge stroke of luck, like this is this is next level luck. On the morning of the twenty third of january twenty six, a tenant was leaving his room when he saw a woman fleeing the apartment of Anna Maria. He noticed that Anna Maria's door was open and saw her dead body on the floor. 
So obviously, upon seeing this, he screamed for the police and in another stroke of luck, the police were nearby and started to haul ass to try and catch up with Juana, which they did. And when Juana was arrested, she was found to have a stethoscope, a stack of pension forms and a fake social identity card. So, you know, after seeing this, the police had a pretty good idea that this could be the serial killer that they'd been having an absolute nightmare to find and had had completely disregarded for so long. You know, they were probably like, you know what? This might be her. You know, we got a good feeling about this. Um, Juana did have an MO. It was it was quite consistent across, you know, the, the various murders committed and it's theorized that Juana's resentment for her mother was a catalyst for her to start her career as a serial killer. Juana herself has cited that her hatred of her mother was her motive and what she what she did was a way to get back at her mother for the abuse that she suffered and you know being sold for for three beers one of her other mo's would be that she would dress as a nurse and she would win the confidence of her victims by offering to help with household chores you know and you know stuff like that and then once in their homes and once she she got that trust from you know from her victim she would either strangle them with tights uh, a curtain cord a phone cable a stethoscope anything that she could essentially wrap around their neck to use to strangle them or her bare hands if she wanted to change it up a little bit then instead of using a, a household object or you know a stethoscope that she would she would bring with her she would just straight up bludgeon them to death with a household object regardless of whether she strangled them or whether she bludgeoned them she would always rob them and take something from the home you know a souvenir you know a trophy you know like she had been to Disneyland and she wanted to take a memento home for all her hard work so as well as being caught running from a crime scene Braza would be linked to a further 10 murders in Mexico City. She had been interrupted by a potential victim's son and left a full fingerprint. A full fingerprint. Sloppy, sloppy work there from La Dama del Silencio. Sloppy stuff. At her trial, despite only confessing to the crime that she was caught running from, Joana would be charged with 16 counts of murder and aggravated burglary and then 11 separate counts of murder and the prosecution alleged that she had been had been responsible for as many as 40 murders Juana was found guilty of all charges and was sentenced to 759 years behind bars she reportedly showed little emotion when the sentence was passed and is quoted as saying, may God forgive you and forget me. So Juana will be eligible for parole in 2058. 
and by then she'll be a hundred years old. It's not out the realm of possibility that she she's going to die in prison. There were there were a few little little tidbits that I found that I wanted to to wrap up with that were kind of mind blowing to me. In 2015, Juana married a fellow inmate. The wedding was organized by a government program. You know, that's a good use of money, right? Government funding prison weddings. And was given massive publicity and treated like this great love story. Romeo and Juliet, you know, star-crossed lovers, you know, this, this really romantic, you know, that's a cute love story. However, that all changed a year later because they had never seen they had never set eyes on each other before the wedding so not once did they see each other before the wedding they exchanged letters but they never saw each other and Baraza states that once we saw each other the love vanished during their year-long marriage they only saw each other three times for a total of 40 minutes so I mean I'm not married. I don't know the secrets of a successful marriage, but I'm I'm going to safely assume seeing each other three times for a total of a combined 40 minutes. I mean, that's probably not going to keep the marriage going, right? Another another little tidbit as well is Juana sells tacos in prison, which she prepares herself, and she sells them in the prison courtyard from well not sells them but she she provides them from mondays to wednesdays in the prison courtyard her speciality dish or her speciality taco is a slow roasted spicy pork dish which sounds delicious like that sounds that sounds good and that is episode two done it's a shorter episode, I know. I still hope that you enjoyed the episode, even though it was shorter. And if I have missed anything out, then I, I do apologise. Episode 3 will be released next Friday, and it's going to focus on a... It's going to focus, it's going to focus on the disappearance of Johnny Gosh, who has been, who has been missing since 1982. You can find Horror House on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Buzzsprout, on Amazon Music, and on Stitcher. Put in Horror House True Crime in the Macabre, you know, and you'll find you'll find me. Horror House is also on Instagram at HH True Crime and the Macabre, Twitter on Twitter at HH True Crime Pod, and on Facebook at Horror House Pod. If your app allows please leave a review, good or bad, you know, it'll help me out. And if you enjoy listening, please like it and share. And on that note, all that's left to say is until next time, stay spooky. <laughs>